Welcome to Destination History I Digress, where we tackle interesting and only slightly relevant things. Today we digress from the Paris Catacombs and the Rembrandt House Museum to ponder the question, what is a cabinet of curiosity? When the Italian Renaissance came about, the aristocracy found that they liked collecting stuff, but where to put all the stuff that you collect? There's a cabinet for that, a cabinet full of curiosities. The cabinet of curiosities, sometimes known as a wonder camera, was a place, typically a cabinet but not in the early days, where one could store and show off all the weird and wacky things they'd picked up along their travels. The cabinets were pretty common for about 200 years, anywhere from 1550 to 1750. You could find one of these cabinets in most wealthy homes. And it makes sense that this was the heyday of the wonder camera. Throughout the 16th and 17th centuries, there was a whole lot of discovering going on. Science was starting to grow out of older schools of thought surrounding magic. At first, it was really only something that royalty and nobles would have lying around the place, and really only those from Europe, but they were meant to display a selection of everything that the world had to offer. Instruction guides and manuals were even put together to show the proper way to display your curiosities and appropriate ways to preserve what you had collected. They appeared towards the second half of the 16th century, so you can really see how these things were taken off. Before all of this though, the only real collecting had been around Greek and Roman artefacts that came from the Greek and Roman ancient worlds. But as we move into the 16th century, the collection started to become simpler. In fact, the earliest illustration of a cabinet of curiosity is one of a natural history cabinet, and is actually an engraving from Ferrante Imperato's Del Historica Naturale that was around in 1599. Basically, all of Northern Europe were all about the collecting, and some of the most famous collections belonged to the most famous people at the time. There was Rudolf II in Prague, Augustus II, King of Poland, and Ferdinand II, Archduke of Austria. The cabinets were meant to show off the wealth and taste of these people with money to spare, and display what an inquiring mind looks like. It was rare to find a prince, noble, or even naturalist who didn't have a cabinet of curiosity. It was definitely a way to flex how wealthy you were and your standing in polite society. And the coolest cabinet collections even had people travelling from all over to check it out. Think of it like private or personal museums. In terms of the cabinet itself, these would come in a whole range of sizes. Some had ones that were small and basically a bit of furniture with a couple of drawers to show off your collections. And on the other end of the spectrum, there were some that were literally an entire room of the house. In fact, originally a cabinet would mean a room rather than a distinct piece of furniture. But in those smaller collections, some even had multiple cabinets to fit everything in. The cabinets would have strategically placed drawers and shelves that would allow the owner to display their collection in a unique way. In an article on the history of collecting, Sotheby's describes the items in a collection like this. 
Every object offered an opportunity to tell a story about an epic adventure, or more often, to fabricate one. So, we know that cabinets of curiosities were popular all throughout Europe, but they weren't all known by the same name. They were known as Wunderkammer or Kunstkammer. Italians would call them Stanzino or Studio, or something a bit more modern, Museo or Galleria, which was actually more popular when referring to collections containing art. Inside cabinets, you could find all sorts of things, like antiques, natural history objects, which could include stuffed animals, shells, skeletons, insects, or fossils. And then there were works of art. A complete collection would see a representation of a wide range of objects. Each cabinet or collection was typically organised into the following four categories. Artificialia, which as the name suggests was a display of artificial or human modified objects, like antiques or works of science. Naturalia, again it's easy to figure out from the name, this category contained anything from the natural world but also included rare or deformed creatures, often referred to as monsters. Exotica was the collection of exotic plants and animals that were typically from distant lands. And lastly, Scientifica, which was anything that looked like a scientific instrument. Some examples are clocks or automatons. Because collecting these precious and rare objects was seen as something that was common among the rich and powerful, it's understandable that these cabinets would basically become a symbol of social standing. But as seen in the aforementioned four categories, the knowledge of the world wasn't really separated into subjects for study like they are today. Not to mention that the distinctions between categories was very fuzzy as well. So, because the collections that made up the cabinets of curiosities were created before the rules that make up modern museums, it's not that much of a leap to believe that what appeared in a cabinet a lot of the time wasn't true. Often, parts of animals or plants were combined with other animals or plants to create a new animal or plant. This created a slew of fantasy creatures and monsters. And while it really lived up to that aspect of being unique, it wasn't an accurate depiction of the world. But I don't think it's really that big of a deal. These cabinets weren't meant to be scientifically accurate, and many knew that. And hey, if you had the money, why wouldn't you create your own version of the world that lived in your cabinet? The owner of the Wonder Camera was fully in charge of the juxtaposition and the interpretation of the collection and the content was a reflection of their taste and identity. But as the 18th century came about, the popularity of science as a discipline rose, and people started to expect the science of the real world to be reflected in the display of cabinets. And then it was late in the 18th century that saw the popularity of cabinets in general start to fade, and the modern museums start to take their place in terms of displaying artefacts of the world in an accurate manner. Francis Bacon, the modern science philosopher, really wasn't a fan of these cabinets of curiosities. He called them frivolous impostures for pleasure and strangeness. And yeah, they were. But back in the day when they were all the rage, that's exactly what they were, just some fun. 
something to display the odd things that you picked up along your travels. But Stephen Mullaney made the point in The Place of the Stage that museums weren't our new kind of cabinet, but almost like a phoenix. They rise from the ruins of such collections. The modern museum organises the wonder cabinet by breaking it down, that is to say by analysing it, regrouping the random and the strange into recognisable categories that are systematic, discreet and exemplary. Museums started to focus on displaying objects as per Linnaeus's taxonomy or Darwin's theory of evolution. The modern museum is more designed for teaching rather than exploration, and as the centuries passed, the rules surrounding museums would become hard and fast for almost every kind of museum you can find today. George Brown Good, who was the director of the US National Museum, even wrote this in 1889. The People's Museum should be much more than a house full of specimens in glass cases. It should be a house full of ideas, arranged with the strictest attention to system. And that's exactly what they would become. Actually, each museum had their own system, depending on what they were displaying. History museums were more concerned with chronology, whereas natural history museums liked to organise things taxonomically. And art museums like to display works by place, artist, and school. In fact, Jean-Baptiste Pierre Lebrun had this to say about art galleries not arranged by school and artist in 1793. It is as ridiculous as a natural history cabinet arranged without regard to genus, class, or family. There really was no room for the randomness or uniqueness that was seen in cabinets of curiosities in modern museums. And yet, cabinets seemed to have a revival in the latter half of the 20th century. It seemed like the strict rules that organised museums was a bit out of date, not to mention collections really reminded a lot of people of the horrors of colonialism. The modern cabinets of curiosities allowed a new way to imagine museum collections and displays. In fact, museums even seemed to embrace this new way of displaying objects. In the 1980s, museums started to use this new old way to display their items in storage or even to explore the historical roots of their collections and to pose ethical questions about the objects. But it was artists and curators who really embraced this fun, personal and evocative way of displaying their collection that seemed to have vanished a couple of centuries earlier. This modern cabinet of curiosity seems to be an alternative way to restore the mysticism of the museum experience, especially in our attention-stricken world. Perhaps this modern cabinet experience is exactly what we need to instill excitement about our natural world. Thanks for listening to this digression. Want to know even more? Then check out our website at destinationhistorypod.com. If you know of something that's slightly relevant about a destination, then get in touch through our website or on any of our socials. See you next episode. Thank you.